0: Welcome to the Armor Men's Health Show with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello, this is Dr. Mystery, host of the Armor Men's Health Show, joined every week by my co-host Donna Lee.
1: That's right, you know I can do the show without you sometimes.
0: You do the show without me sometimes, <laughs> and I think they get more listeners.
1: Maybe, but you're so busy sometimes and you have all the six children and two grandchildren, I mean, and you're a surgeon. Whatever. I'm an
0: amazing person. <laughs>
1: And you see children. This
0: is a men's health show. I'm a board-certified urologist, and this show is brought to you by the practice I started in 2007, NAU Urology Specialists. Mm -hmm. We have four physicians growing to six soon. We have six advanced practice providers, two physical therapists, a nutritionist, a sex therapist, and a strong commitment to taking care of you from your nipples nipples to your your knees. knees. Donna, how do people get a hold of us and make an appointment with us if they want to get their holistic urology appointment?
1: That's right. Holistic urology. I love it. It's 512 762 Our website is armormenshealth.com. And you know what? We got a really busy podcast.
0: We do have a really busy podcast. So you, so you can, can catch up them. on previous episodes.
1: That's right. Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the podcast sites. Listen to wherever you listen to free podcasts.
0: So I became a urologist because I like playing with balls. Yeah,
1: and penises.
0: <laughs> and yes. the peepees. And peepees. People always wonder, do I really enjoy playing with balls? You really do. And the answer is, I love operating, and I love <laughs> operating on testicles. I think we
1: scared away half the audience at this
0: point. That's right. But you know, there are a couple of balls that I don't play with. I
1: know. know what kind of balls are Eyeballs. Eyeballs.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're joined by one of our newest friends, Dr. Ravi Patel. He's with Eye Associates of Central Texas. Dr. Patel, uh, so sorry that you didn't know what to expect, but welcome.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. Actually, I knew to expect that because I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts at oh, this good. point. Well, he's that's great. not scared. That's great. So, so, Dr. Patel, you're an ophthalmologist. <laughs> first of all, can you spell ophthalmology? <laughs> yeah, there's uh, two H's in there, actually. Uh, three. I mean, uh, Do you actually want me there's to spell ophthalmology? H's? Yeah, no. go ahead. Let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, O-P-H-T-H. Most people forget that first H after the mm. P. And all of, I mean, A L M O L O G I S D. That's nice. pretty
0: good. He, he passed the test. Spelling B. <laughs> nice job. So, uh, an ophthalmologist is an actual
2: medical doctor. Is that correct? That is correct. I think.
1: An eye dentist?
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That, a lot of my friends <laughs> call me an eye dentist because we're fairly far <laughs> removed from the rest of general medicine. But yes, we are, in fact, medical doctors.
0: How is an ophthalmologist different than an optometrist in terms of education and scope of work?
2: Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. So, um, yeah, ophthalmologists go through medical school. And then we still go through a, a year of general uh, year of training either internal medicine or surgical residency and then finish a three year you know medical surgical residency whereas optometrists uh, once they graduate from college, they can go straight into optometry school where they focus a lot on i i think they will they would call it general eye care if you will so a lot of that is glasses and contacts, and then there are some routine medical things they'll do. Optometry schools are changing though I think they're starting to do like this additional year of i think they call it a residency actually where they'll do a little more in depth on the medical side because it's depending on the school they may not get as much of that. So um, after
0: medical school, you did four years of residency, and then you went beyond. You you didn't go to Baylor College of Medicine, correct?
2: I did. <laughs> My partners I did, but I did st- not I will, go to Baylor. I will still uh, listen to you a little bit. Oh
1: but, boy. Uh, hey, I have a quick question. Do ophthalmologists make fun of optometrists?
2: No, because there's
1: more letters in their.
2: Name? No, definitely not. We got to play nice no, in the equal? Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, ahead. yeah, that, that's not nice. Uh-huh.
0: The eye is a very small place to fight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, after residency, you also went to um, an amazing place for your, your, your fellowship. Baskin Palmer uh, Eye Institute is where I took my own son to get his ptosis uh, surgery fixed when he was uh, just a little kid. Uh, to, to tell us about that place and what it was like doing your fellowship there.
2: Oh, wow. I'm surprised you know what that is. Uh, yeah. So Baskin Palmer. We're
1: professionals.
2: Uh, yeah. I read my bio. And, well, I guess you've been there. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very, very big eye hospital in Miami. You'd think an eye clinic could be a small like room, but this is actually a six-floor building with each specialty having its own floor. And so it's the sort of the mecca of tertiary care um, beyond Florida. People fly in all over the place to get some sort of zebra diagnosis managed there. Uh, so, and it's because Florida has a lot of old people. And old people have (laughs) lots of eye problems. Well, that is true.
0: So I want to talk about, I want to talk about, we should, we should combine. Mm -hmm. That's right.
1: The Eye and Penis Clinic the featuring penis Dr. Clinic. Mistry and Dr. Patel.
0: That does remind me of a funny story. My son needed a circumcision at the same time. And so I asked the Baskin-Palmer guys if somebody could come and do a circumcision. They were like, our no. operating rooms are not equipped for circumcision. <laughs> 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 we just do eyes here. Uh, so um, uh, what as people age, uh, why don't you tell us some of the most common eye conditions of aging that, that you're going to see in your clinic?
2: Yeah. So, um, I would say there's probably five main things, uh, that we sort of start seeing as we get older. One was more related to a medical diagnosis, but just to list them, there's cataracts that unfortunately happens to all of us just as we get older. It's just the nature of the lens. That's
0: that's when the lens inside your eye gets kind of fuzzy, right?
2: Exactly. Right. The protein starts to cloud up and slowly causes a blurriness to your vision. So
0: as you're looking at bright lights or driving at night, maybe you're going to see it less, less focused and more blurry.
2: Yeah. One of the first symptoms people get is difficulty driving at night because the lights themselves sort of causes light scattered in the eye. And so you would interpret that as glare and you know, the lines and stuff might be harder for you to distinguish. That's actually probably one of the earliest symptoms people get. And uh, one of the bigger reasons we do cataract surgery because cataract surgery, fortunately, is fairly good at fixing that problem. What else? Um, yes, yeah, so we'll also see things like macular degeneration. Now, not everybody gets that one, but that's a condition where your retina starts to deteriorate as you get older. Um, that affects you know, millions of Americans, actually.
0: My, uh, my, my grandfather had macular degeneration. There's a wet kind and a dry kind. What's the difference between the two?
2: Yeah, so uh, most really everyone starts off with the dry kind. I'd say maybe 90-95% stay in the dry kind, but a small percentage do convert to the wet kind. And effectively what that means is that these blood vessels in the back of the eye kind of break through the retinal layers. And they start either leaking fluid or sometimes even blood into the retina, which causes a significant drop in one's vision. This ruined his wow. life because he couldn't read and do the things that he wanted to do.
0: But but there are treatments now for both dry and wet macular degeneration that wouldn't have been in existence 15 or 20 years ago. Is that right?
2: Yes, that is true. So uh, there have been uh, treatments for wet macular degeneration for a while now. Uh, they're all effectively injections at this point that uh, cause regression of those blood vessels. And by a Those sort of leaving the retina, you get an improvement in the amount of fluid, which should improve vision. Now, it doesn't get you back to being a normal, you know, 2020 type patient, if you will, but it does improve the vision. The downside is, unfortunately, you have to keep doing those injections in a lot of cases. If you were to stop, the the fluid would just return. If I had to take a poll,
0: do you think a man would rather have an injection into his eyeball or his real balls? Mm. oh eyeball eyeball man, I yeah like i don't know why. i don't know man i don't know if i had a <laughs> penis i'd want you to go into my balls that sounds frightening don't mess with my <laughs> eyes i hope you just turn off the lights before you inject please <laughs>
2: you, don't, you don't want your surgeon looking <laughs> <laughs> well, crap that's right you have to see huh
0: <laughs> all right
2: so you named two of them what else what are the other three uh so uh, glaucoma is another big one that again it doesn't happen to everyone but can happen as we get older
0: and that's too much eye pressure right because there's too much fluid in there
2: well, sort of. Uh, you know, pressure is sort of a loaded piece of glaucoma. It's the only modifiable piece of glaucoma. Um, and so you can have normal eye pressure and still have glaucoma. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that one's called normal pressure glaucoma. Yes, okay. mm, uh, they got smart. really creative with that name. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, pressure. Basically, the idea is that high eye pressure translates to sort of pressure on the optic nerve, which damages it over time, and those nerves start dying, which leads to at the beginning peripheral vision loss, but ultimately can lead to central vision loss and blindness is that the puff of air that the guy will puff into my eye yeah they're checking oh. your eye pressure hopefully they're not doing puff of airs anymore they, most people don't. Are sort they of, aren't no, no. More, usually people like numb your eye and do what's called explanation with this device touches your eye to actually really that
1: was so 2010 really? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i mean they don't do you that think anymore my
0: optometrist is just giving me like some messages yes are you oh. still getting a puff of? Air?
2: maybe maybe they are maybe optometrists are still doing puff
0: of airs well i think that are... he's hitting on me okay uh, <laughs> what, what are the other two
1: <laughs> they're puffing your uh, penis
0: that he's not doing penis cup. If you're going to the optometrist and you have to take off your pants,
2: there's, there's something wrong. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, okay. Um, or right. I guess another one, and this is actually more prominent in Texas, it's actually just dry eyes. Um, that's actually extremely mm. common. It's actually common in younger age groups as well. I but, think you're just making that crap up now. Uh, dry eyes. Well, I think everyone else thinks it's made up too, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think, I think you're just making up. Yeah, I'd say most people, compl- when most people complain about some discomfort of their eyes. It's usually just dryness and they just need to put drops in. But I mean, the dryness can be severe. It can Actually, also be a blinding problem, but that's very, very rare. You'd need some sort of underlying, like medical condition, like or association like that. But. So,
0: so what you're saying is that is that there are people that have a medical level of dry eyes, and there are both over-the-counter as well as prescriptive eye drops for that kind of thing, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my cornea training, maybe I've sort of gathered a lot of dry eye patients. I would say this is the main medical condition I treat in my clinic, actually, just because of my background training. But dry eyes is actually a really, really tricky uh, condition to treat because all the treatments out there aren't really curative. And I would say they're not all the most effective. Um, And so it ends up being a very complicated puzzle to try to get the right treatment going for a patient to get their symptoms stabilized. Even then, it's with the understanding that as they get older, it's likely going to start getting a little worse. A little worse. Yeah. Right. What's number five? Gosh, I'm now I'm like having to think back. What did I say? Oh, diabetic retinopathy. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I meant by medical condition. It's pretty common as you get older. Just, you know, diabetic retinopathy usually isn't a function of your acute control. It's actually more correlated to how long you've had the condition. Just that long-term of having the fluctuation in the blood glucose damage. And it can make vessels. you blind, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And so I'm sure uh, diabetes actually probably plays a role in your clinic as well with ed and the heart doctors can you know heart you just depression. stay in your lane buddy <laughs> you stay with your eyeballs you eye dentist right. don't you worry about your i got a shelf i know more than just about eyes right i could <laughs> be an eye dentist here
0: well dr ravi patel you're with eye associates of central texas how does somebody make an appointment with you
2: yeah so they, they can also just call our number during our uh, office hours it's 512 244 Or just go to our website, iAssociatesTexas.com.
1: Well,
0: thank you so much for joining us. And Donna, how do people get a hold of us?
1: You can call us at 512-238-0762 or visit our website, ArmourMensHealth.com, and check out our podcasts wherever you listen
0: to free podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Armour Men's Health Show. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, board-certified urologist, and very... Proud purveyor of knowledge when it comes to men's health, but I couldn't do it without my lovely co host, Donna Lee,
1: who knows nothing about men's health. Hello, everybody.
0: <laughs> You've made a lot of men's lives terrible, though.
1: I have, because well, I make them go to the urologist. That's right. <laughs>
0: Donna, you're one of our most important spokespeople, and you communicate a lot with the patients and listeners that uh, try to contact us for appointments, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gotten great feedback. And what's some advice you'd give to somebody out there that's contemplating visiting a urologist?
1: Uh, To pick the provider with the smallest hands if they're having prostate issues. That's correct. And to come with an open mind, I think we educate our patients really well through the show and through marketing that they're going to um, be connected with a holistic provider more times than not. We're going to talk about lifestyle management, supplements how's your sleep? We're going to do all these amazing fun things that other urology groups might not do.
0: And I think that you should know, you know, as a patient that not all doctors are made the same. There are, you are certainly going to get a different level of care depending on the expertise and the interest level of the doctor that you're going to see. And so if you're dissatisfied with your urologic care, we would love to see you as a second opinion. If you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, you certainly should always consider getting a second opinion. If you are undergoing a major prostate surgery for an enlarged prostate or you're uh, dissatisfied with your ed or testosterone therapy we would love to see you as a second opinion donna how do people get a hold of us
1: you can call us at 512-238-0762 i've been asked to slow that down you know uh, our website is armormenshealth.com and you can find any of our podcasts on the topic that you'd like so let's say you want to talk about enlarged penis you can google enlarged penis um, armor men's health show and you'll find the podcast
0: Ironically, they're going to see my picture.
1: And uh, there's Dr. Mishra, this huge
0: penis. (laughs) We we are joined once again by one of our good friends, Dr. Ravi Patel, with Eye Associates of Central Texas. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So um, as I'm getting older, and I've had glasses for for many, many years, and I feel like increasingly uh, a life of wearing glasses is something that's going to be kind of in the past. So, uh, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about uh, vision correction surgery, whether it be LASIKs or as you get older, uh, kind of lens replacement surgery and kind of what's new out there. And uh, let, let's talk about LASIK first. So, LASIK's been around for a while.
2: H- has it really changed at all? Uh, there are some new iterations of uh, laser eye surgery coming out. Um, there's a new procedure called SMILE that some practices are starting to adopt. It's, you know, with, with LASIK, what we're doing is we're cutting a flap into your cornea, lifting that flat up, and then doing the actual second laser to do the corrective procedure to reshape your cornea and lay the flap back down. What is the hmm. cornea? The cornea is the clear structure in front. Uh, it's like a clear dome in the front of your eye. It's over the iris and the pupil. That's where the majority of the refractive power of your eye comes in is asking the cornea.
1: What's the flap?
2: So the, when we have a cornea, it's, it's about 550 microns or so. Uh, we, you know, the the layer, the layer, surface layer is called the epithelium. That's kind of constantly being replaced, but that's not making the actual shape of your eye. Mm-hmm. And so the stroma, the structure underneath is. And so what we have to do is cut a flap to remove that top layer to mm-hmm. get to the meat of the cornea. And then we laser it to reshape the whole cornea to whatever your prescriptive power should be. And that, when that flap lays down on top of it, it just takes on that shape, giving you your new shape and your new oh, vision. Nice. Um, and so, uh, how long does the procedure take? Oh, probably about ten minutes an eye. It's that's it's not very long, actually. Wow,
0: well, that's what she that's
2: said. Me. So, uh, the procedure itself does not take
0: a a long time. And and who um who benefits the most from a LASIK operation uh, versus something more invasive? Say,
2: yeah, good question. So, LASIK uh, procedures are definitely much more beneficial to the younger crowd. So, when I say younger, I mean like probably around eighteen to. 35 to 40 or so. And the reason that is, is that when you're younger, your, your eye has a lens inside of it that can still change shapes. It's in a process called accommodation. So at resting state, your eye should be focused out fully to the distance. We say 20 feet and beyond. And then when you put your hand in front of you, the, the muscles in your eye change the lens shape to focus up close. So if I do LASIK and get rid of your glasses and set you perfectly to the distance when you're younger, I expect you to have a full range of perfect vision, really. But let's say you to try to get LASIK done in your 50s. Well, your lens has gone through a change now where it's losing that ability to accommodate, it's losing the ability to change its shape. And so if I set your vision perfectly at the distance, you'd probably be happy with your distance vision, but you'll no longer be able to read up close and you'll have to get reading glasses. And so LASIK won't necessarily get people out of needing glasses at older ages. Thus, it becomes a little bit less effective.
0: And so, um, you know, uh, there were concerns in the past about fuzziness or other kind of complications from LASIK. What are the the top complications you educate your patients about when they're
2: contemplating LASIK surgery? Oh, mainly dry eyes, actually. That's the number one thing. You know, a lot of folks after they get LASIK done will complain about dry eyes for about a year or so. There's a lot of studies showing that as they age, they're much more likely to end up with more significant dry eyes than a person who had never had LASIK done in their 30s. And and just my background, I end up seeing a lot of folks with dry eyes. Some of that can be really difficult to treat. And so I, I definitely spend a long time talking about dry eyes with any patient prior to doing any kind of refractive procedure.
0: And you won't do it in anybody under eighteen or will you do
2: it in like teenagers as well? No, it's not have to approved for that. Um, but also I would I actually don't do it anyone under like low twenties actually. Really? Okay. Because the idea is that at eighteen you're not necessarily done shifting in terms of your overall prescription. And so you don't want to be doing a permanent procedure, if you will, on a moving target. Mm-hmm. And so w- one of the things that qualify is showing stability in your refraction. But just statistically speaking, you can be stable for a year or two but then not be stable two years down the line. And so I like to wait really in the early 20s or mid-20s before I started offering LASIK. Probably early 20s, if I'm being honest about that. But yeah, so I think waiting a little bit is probably beneficial just because you get, in my opinion, a longer lasting result out of it. Is hmm. there any way to test whether or not your lens can still accommodate to see if even an older person would be a candidate for LASIK? Yeah. I mean, um, I get if you put contact lenses in or even with your glasses, if you just get single vision distance glasses, if you're still able to read up close with them on, that means you still can't accommodate because you're your prescriptive power is really meant to give you perfect distance vision unless you're wearing a bifocal, a progressive glasses, or a multifocal contact lens. So for most folks, if you have single vision uh, correction, you're actually setting your eyes for distance, and if you're able to read through that, you actually are still accommodating. But uh, just know it's a, it's a time bomb, meaning in the sense that as you get older in your 40s, you're going to start losing that ability. So now I mm. think it's a little unfair that my dad doesn't have to wear glasses
1: <laughs> oh, because, because
2: he got
0: his eyes fixed when he okay. got his cataracts. Oh. Done. So why don't you talk to us about like the new generation of cataract surgery? Because I feel like with an aging population, everybody's getting their cataracts fixed nowadays. And all my surgical OR time is being taken up by you people that are <laughs> taking it up doing 40 <laughs> cataracts a day. So talk to us about cataract surgery.
2: Yeah, okay. So with cataract surgery, what we're effectively doing is going in your eye, taking a cloudy lens out and replacing it with the clear plastic lens. And I'd say most of the advances happening in the space are actually happening with what type of lens implant we're placing back in one's eye. Traditionally, there's been this paradigm of having to choose between quantity or quality of vision. What I mean by that is that the the traditional basic lens implant is a monofocal lens, meaning you get one focus point. And so we can set you, as an example, out for distance again. But that lens implant also isn't flexible, so in, when the standard lens implant, you'd be forced to wear reading glasses. You'd have high quality vision, but low quantity in terms of range. Hmm. Um, and so, what folks have been doing to try to give more qu- quantity is what's called a multifocal lens. I my guess is that's what your dad probably got. But that's a lens that effectively splits the light, or it's called diffractive optics, and it gives you a distance uh, focus point, mid range, and near. And so more or less, you can get the whole range in vision. But to achieve that, you have to sacrifice a little bit of the quality of your vision. And I think most people will notice that at nighttime when they're driving, car headlights would start having this starbursty glare pattern coming off of it. And that's just the physics of the optics of that lens. Uh, but newer lenses are coming out to try and maintain the quality of the vision and still provide more quantity, if you will. Uh, now, a lot of
0: these things are covered by insurance and some things are not covered. So, So if somebody's out there and they're thinking to themselves that they're going to go get cataracts and come out with perfect vision and uh, Uncle Sam's going to pay for it, that they may be a little bit surprised.
2: Yes. No, Uncle Sam Uh will only pay for that first option that I talked about. They they view all the other nicer lens, if you will, as cosmetic because they know there is a base option that will give you excellent Uh vision with glasses in terms of the rest of your range. And so they won't cover any of what we call premium IOLs. Those it's just the food. man
1: keeping us down.
2: <laughs> man's keeping us. But luckily, they still cover penile implants and S- our Viagra.
0: Shut
1: up. <laughs> just shut up with that.
0: So uh, when it comes to cataract <laughs> surgery, uh, h- how long is the surgery uh, and how-, how quick is the recovery?
2: Yeah, the surgery probably takes me about five to, uh, maybe it's a tough case, 10 minutes to do. It's a pretty quick He's procedure. he got a tough life. He uh, has these
1: five-minute procedures all me. day.
0: <laughs> no Did real I- surgeon considers an ophthalmologist a surgeon
1: <laughs> oh I open that Sorry.
0: we do
2: like 20 to 25 we do a lot of them that take up, the, take up your OR time oh no yeah. i still That's making a, a, a 1 o'clock tea time <laughs> that would be true <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but the recovery is fast most people see better the next day actually sometimes it can take 2 to 3 days or so but and we say the full heal time is about a month um, but the visual recovery is very very quick and how long will you wait between eyes I only wait a week between eyes, actually.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, You can't do them on the same day. There's some risk associated with that. And I don't think insurance would even cover that, truthfully. So most people wait either one to two weeks between eyes.
0: And how much can somebody uh, expect to pay for that premium IOL to look and feel great?
2: Yeah, uh, it varies by practice, truthfully. But it can be, generally, I just ballpark to a few thousand dollars. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Ravi
0: Patel with Eye Associates of Central Texas. If people are looking to look better, and feel better, how do they get an appointment with you?
2: Yeah, they um, can go to our website, iassociatesoftexas.com or just give us a call during business hours. Our number is 512-244-1991. And if you have problems with your
0: other balls, mm. your non-eyeballs, mm-hmm. how do they get an appointment with us, Donna?
1: You can call us at 512-238-0762 and visit our website, armormenshealth.com
0: The Armour Men's Health Show is brought to you by NAU Urology Specialists. For questions or to schedule an appointment, please call 512-238-0762
2: or online at ArmorMenshealth.com.